Uh, we are in a series called Not Your Sunday School Jesus, and what we've been talking about are um, stories of Jesus, basically my favorite stories of Jesus um, that I wanted to preach on, and, um, and looking at them from a different perspective, maybe a different context, maybe uh, giving some historical background and things like that to understand that there's more that's going on than just a nice story that uh, Jesus is often uh, trying to um, demonstrate something not only in that moment, but things that, uh, 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 that still apply to us today. And so this morning, we have a, a super, super famous, famous story. If you're new to the Bible, um, you've probably heard this story. Uh, even if you like, don't even believe the Bible, and you're like, I was here just because you're, somebody drug you here, and they promised you to have lunch afterwards, and you're like, I just, I'm here for lunch, get this over with. You've heard this story, I'm pretty sure. So what, where we are in, uh, Jesus is deep into his ministry now, uh, where, we, where we catch him. And um, what's happened is he has, and we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, he has fed 5,000 people with uh, three fish and five loaves. And uh, we talked about that and what the implications were there. And we talked about the fact that it doesn't matter what you have, okay, how little it is or what your education is or maybe you're, it's difficult for you to speak or whatever. You can still be used by God. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your finances. You can be used by God. And so we talked about how uh, Jesus stole a little kid's lunch and, uh, and, and used it. And, but he got some more. It was okay. Uh, so that's what we talked about. So that's where we are. We're in the 5,000. And uh, basically, um, John the Baptist is Jesus's cousin, okay? And so um, he's just been murdered uh, by Herod. He was put in prison because John the Baptist was speaking out against Herod's relationship with his wife, which was actually his brother's wife. And so uh, John the Baptist was speaking out against that. Herod put him in prison. Uh, Herod's niece did a little dance at a party with a whole bunch of important people. And Herod, who was probably uh, somewhat lubricated, uh, said, um, I'll give you whatever you want, you know, because of this dance. I don't know what the dance was. I don't know if she was doing the Dougie or I don't know what it was, but it was, it was a, a, a good dance. And so uh, she goes to her mom and says, what should I ask for? He says, up to, up to half of his kingdom, right? She says, what should I ask for? And she says, John the Baptist's head on a platter. That's what she asked for. And so Herod beheads John the Baptist and puts his head on a platter and shows all the, all the guests. It's a wonderful party, by the way. Um, and I wouldn't take any of the food home. but uh, And so, uh, so this is where Jesus is. And, and it says that Jesus, when he found this out, which is just fascinating to me, that God in the form of man uh, would be grieving the loss of his cousin, um, he tries to get away to a solitary place so he can process his grief, so he can talk to his heavenly father. I just want to take one little second just to, um, just to make this statement. It uh, doesn't have too much to do with the sermon, but did you know it's okay to grieve? That, that mature Christians <laughs> grieve. Uh, they, they, they don't, it's not that you go, oh, you know what, you know, God needed another flower in his garden. No, 
Jesus would grieve. And so if you're in a place where you're trying to just buck it up and be strong because that's what Jesus would do, um, Jesus totally has a space for you to grieve, okay? So I just want to point that out. Uh, so Jesus goes to this uh, place by himself while the crowds are watching him. And so they all show up. And so Jesus, being Jesus, he decides to start teaching and healing. And so he's ministering to, and that's when the 5,000 were fed. And so it gets to be late in the evening, and Jesus has to send everyone to their house, and, uh, and he sends the disciples away, and this is where we found it. And you'll see it starts off with this word immediately, and you're going to see immediately three times during the story, and it's, that's significant. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. So Jesus is going to wrap everything up uh, with all the people, tell them, nothing more to see here, it's all over, go home, you know, they're going up to him, Jesus, that was the best sermon I've ever heard, good job, you know, thanks for the food, oh, it was wonderful, best fish I ever had, like whatever, they, he's dismissing them, uh, and he, while well, he dismisses the crowd, and, and he gets them uh, to, to go away. Now, I, I want you to see here something that's very important, is that Jesus commanded the disciples to get in the boat. They didn't just get in, Jesus had given them a job. You go on ahead, you get to the other side. Now, what was, what's fascinating, again, just to give you some background, they're sailing into uh, an unclean part of the country where the Gentiles lived. And we're gonna, after this story is another story. We don't, this is the last week of the series, but I would have preached for another favorite story of mine is that there was this demon-possessed man and Jesus blows through all the barriers. He touches a Gentile. He goes in amongst uh, uh, the tombs, which is uh, unclean. He just goes into all these unclean areas. That's where they were heading because Jesus told them to. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. So Jesus finally got to be by himself with his heavenly Father to grieve and to process and to pray. And the disciples are out on the lake. Everybody recognize the story so far? Okay, you will right now. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. They are in a full-on storm, wave after wave after wave. You ever been to the beach? I, I'm deathly afraid of water. I don't know if you knew that. I got a lot of quirks. I, I'm surprised any of you even attend this church, but I, 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 I'm afraid of water, and I have a pool in my backyard. Okay, that's... That's just wrong. But um, so sometimes when I'm in the, in the ocean, I, I don't go in anymore because uh, I'm frightened. But when I was little, I'd be in there. And have you ever had a wave hit you and knock you down and then you're tumbling around and you think you're going to die? Okay, right? And then you finally get up. <gasps> you take a breath and you look. <laughs> and there's another wave. Doesn't, doesn't, isn't that a great analogy for life sometimes? Where like you go, you're going, everything's going fine, and all of a sudden a wave comes, maybe your, your car breaks down or your transmission goes out. Um, that's what happened to us just a few weeks ago. Our transmission went out, and they said, you know, that'll be $2,200. And I'm like, you know, do you, can you, would you trade for like one of my children? I mean, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. And so... Um, and, and so 
like that happens, and then you get a, like, you're, you pay that, and you're like, oh man, this is going to take a while to get us back up, and then a bill comes in the mail, and then another bill comes in the mail, and then you find out your kid needs braces, and it's just like wave after wave after wave after wave. Here's what I truly believe with all my heart, that there are some of you here, that's, that's where you are right now. You feel like you're in the midst of the storm. And it might be something you're going through with a sickness, with a family member, with your finances, or whatever. And it feels like Jesus isn't paying attention to you. For these disciples, they're going through a storm, and Jesus is praying on a hill with his heavenly Father. And you might be feeling the same way. That's really great for Jesus. I'm glad he's up in heaven with God, and that's, that's great. But what about what I'm going through right now? You might be going through something similar. So here's what the Bible says. I love the Bible, okay? And not just because I'm paid to, all right? Uh, but I, I, I love the way it, it talks, and it says this next sentence so nonchalantly, just like, oh, yeah, here's what it says. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, if you were reading this for the first time, Matthew wrote this particular section of Scripture, and it was copied and copied and copied, you would say, oh, somebody copied it wrong. They meant walking by the lake, <laughs> like, like walking around the lake. Like, it's a wrong prepositional phrase. Uh, not on the lake. That's impossible. And the Bible just has that there with no explanation. Nothing that just says, now we understand that that seems hard to believe, okay? But we're talking about Jesus, so it's really not that hard to believe. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. You think? I do. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. I love, I love thinking about how the Bible's written and what, what, what it's going through and how it goes through it. I just picture 12 dudes crying out in fear. That's just awesome. I just wonder what that sounded like. I wonder if their voices got up real high or if they're putting, pulling someone in front of each other and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus shows up in the middle of their storm at a time they didn't predict, in a way they didn't expect. The storm is still going. They're still bailing water. The winds are still hitting them. And Jesus shows up at a time they did not predict, in a way they did not expect. Nobody expected Jesus to walk on water. Nobody. And I would just be so bold as to tell you, if you're going through a storm and you think Jesus is absent and you think he's out praying or doing spiritual things or holy things and you just feel like you're all alone and the wind is hitting you over and over and over again, I'm here to tell you that he will show up at a time you didn't predict in a way you didn't expect. That he can show up in any way. So uh, you, most of you know my story or Lisa and my story and our son uh, with epilepsy and, um, and just all the seizures that we had. I had lost complete hope. I just figured Jesus wasn't interested or maybe he was interested, but 
he decided that that's what we had to go through and that we were supposed to figure it out. And so we had given up. Uh, He had gone, uh, we were on the track for brain surgery and then he just stopped having these seizures. And so uh, it went um, for about, I don't know, six to nine months. I can't remember. I I didn't look it up. But, um, and then on Christmas Eve, he has another seizure. And that was it for me. I was done. I I was like, forget it. Um, And so the next April, we, uh, I go to this annual conference, which is a conference of all the free Methodist churches in Southern California, and a friend of mine, John, was preaching, and he said, he, he was talking to pastors about their churches, and he said, some of you have given up hope, because they're, you know, maybe your church is failing or whatever, that didn't apply to me, it doesn't apply to me, but I was like, I have given up hope, I, I've given up hope that... I, there's just going to be a wave, a wave after wave of seizures. It's just going to happen. And immediately I was like, I think God's going to heal him. I don't know how. It's in a, t- at a time I can't predict and in a way I couldn't expect. And so I got home from there and I said, honey, we need to start again on the brain surgery route. I think God's going to use brain surgery to heal him. And we started that. And it was, that was in April or May. And, um, and that, fe- that next February, he had his brain surgery, which was four years ago, and he hasn't had a seizure since then. And so my, for me, it, it happened at a time he didn't, I didn't predict in a way I didn't expect. I didn't realize he was going to use this man, the surgeon, to heal my son. I really believe God provided that for us. And the same could be true for you. You might be in a situation right now, maybe in your singleness, or maybe in, um, you, 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 you want children and can't have them, or you, you thought you'd be farther along in your career, and it just feels like wave after wave after wave after wave. I'm telling you, he can show up at a time you do not predict in a way that you don't expect, because he loves you. And so... They cry out in fear, little babies. I would have been like rock solid. I'd have been like, <laughs> I'd have been like, bring it, because I love water and boats and <laughs> and ghosts. <laughs> this is my lane right here. Okay. This is so cool. So they're scared. They have all these storms, and Jesus say, makes these three statements. Jesus immediately said to them. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. This is the same words he would say to you in whatever you're going through. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. He can meet you right where you are. You know, you know, you know what he doesn't say to them? Hey, babies, come on. Man up. Of course it's not a ghost. I don't believe in ghosts. Come on, let's go. What are you guys doing? He could have said, you got, seriously guys, come on. It's me, Jesus. You know, I can walk on water. I can do lots of stuff. You know, you, you, you saw, I, we just fed 5,000 people and you're acting like this? No, immediately he says, hey, 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 it's okay. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And I think that he would say the same thing to you and I. And then Peter, I don't, I do not understand Peter. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, 
If this were me, because first of all, if it's a ghost, the ghost is going to lie to you. He's gonna, you're going to say, get on the water, and the ghost is going to say, yeah, it's, it's me, Jesus, because ghosts lie, and then you're going to get on the water, and you're going to sink. If it were me, I would say, Jesus, if it's really you, how many fingers am I holding up behind my back? <laughs> That's how you test Jesus, safe, in the boat, fingers behind your back, and it could be like, I forget what was that, Bruce Almighty or whatever, where, where, where God says, you know, seven, and he puts up his hand, and there's seven fingers. I don't know. <laughs> whatever. It'd still be better than being on the water. I'm telling you that right now. But this is what Peter chose. If it's you, tell me to walk on the water. Now, how Jesus responds to Peter and how you would read this in the Bible really reveals what you think about God how you think God interacts with you. Because Peter makes this statement, and Jesus could say, no, 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 no. I'm the only one walking on water around here, okay? You just stay in the boat. He could have said, that's a dumb idea, Peter. You know, forget it. He could have said anything. But here's what he says. Come. Come. Jesus tells Peter, to step out of the safety of that boat and to come to him. For some of you, that might be where you are right now this morning. Maybe the storm isn't that bad or you are in a place of safety. You can weather the waves coming in and Jesus wants you to take a risk. And he says, I want you to step out of the safety of your boat and that can come to us in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it can come to us in our finances. And again, for those of you who are new at church, probably one of your, um, like one of the things that you would, might say is, I don't like church because they talk about money all the time. So I'm going to talk about money. Um, <laughs> I don't want you to be disappointed. You know what I mean? Like you've got expectations, I want to meet them. No, we don't talk about money that much. But this is a big area. The, one of the reasons why churches do talk about money is because the Bible talks about money a lot and because you talk about money a lot. It's just a common thing. And so it might be in that area where you're, you're like, you just, you're, you want to hold on to every dime you have and God wants you to be an extravagant giver. And he's saying, you're going to need to step out of the safety of your bank account, the safety of your paycheck. I want you to risk Maybe it's an area of your life where you're in the comfort of your bitterness. You put it on every morning. You remember, well, all the things that that person had done to you. And he's saying, I want you to take that off now. I want you to take the risk of forgiveness to forgive them. He says, come. Now, um, uh, the way he says come could be different depending on how you view God. Maybe to you, God is angry all the time at you. And so he's like, come, you know, like a dad, you know, come. And you're like, oh man, I'm in trouble again. Or maybe he's like, you know, he's just kind of like, I was at Blockbuster Video. So kids, there were these cartridges that you'd rent. <laughs> they actually had movies like inside of them and you'd go and you'd rent them and then you'd have to bring them back. But this kid was there, he's in a little play area. And um, because he was, kids would play in the little play area while you went and got your rated R movies. And so um, 
so that he's there and this, the dad, it was time for the dad to tell the kid to come. And so he's like, we'll call the kid Ryan. You know, his, his name was Evan, but we'll call him Ryan. Um, and uh, he says, Ryan, let's go, buddy. And Ryan's looking up at him like, yeah, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. I'm playing right now. And so the dad tries all these different tactics, right? As parents, yeah, I don't know if you've ever done that because you're in front of people. So you can't just grab them by his ear and just like, you know, y- y- yank him up. So because people are watching. And uh, so he, then he gets real stern, like, just like this. Ryan, come. Come here. Ryan's like calling his bluff, like, uh, not until I get a bribe of some candy or popcorn or something. I'm not moving. So then he, then he does this. Worst, I don't give parenting tips, but here's one. One, two, now, now you're committed. Now you're committed. He gets to two. Hey, buddy, come on. It's time to go, right? He's tried everything. Ryan didn't end up coming. Finally, finally Ryan came because I think one of the other people is like, this is how you do it. You know, picked him up. Uh, off he goes. But, but here's how I think Jesus called Peter. I think Peter said, if it's really you, tell me to walk on the water. And Jesus probably got a big, I'm probably reading too much into it, probably got a big grin on his face and said, come, come. That's how I think Jesus begs us to come to him. He, that, that, that's the word he uses when he calls you first to him. Come, follow me. He says to other people, if any of you are weary and uh, heavy laden, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. And Jesus would bid you to come and it's not a command of sternness, of he's upset with you. He says, this is the safest place you can be. Yes, we're out in the middle amongst the waves, but you are with me out of the safety of your boat. The safest place for you to be is in the arms of Jesus, regardless of your circumstances. And sometimes it means we have to get out of the things that we've been clinging on to for comfort, for security. Well, and Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came towards Jesus. I wonder, like, okay, so you're in the boat. You kind of have to get over, right? So you get over. Are you like, like, what if, what if it's, it's not firm till like six inches down or a foot down and you're like, oh man, that's not going to hold, hold me, Right? And like the, all the disciples are like holding on to your belt. I got you, dude. Okay, go ahead and try, you know. And, and, like, and like you get it. I wonder when it was like, hey, I can take this foot and put it out there too. And then it's like, sorry for those of you on Facebook Live. I'm like right in your screen right now. And it's like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm walking on water. Like, Hey, guys, <laughs> look at me, right? And he starts heading towards Jesus. What a, what an image. What an image. And, and I know that walking on water and that it seems hard and there's this thing called physics and that it doesn't, you know, it probably doesn't fit with you. But, but, but here's the vision I just want to give you for this week. Sometime this week, or in the coming weeks, he is going to ask you to get out of the boat. And unless you're willing to do that, you are going to miss out 
on a miracle in your life. If, if you're not willing to take a risk and keep those eyes centered and focused on Jesus, you're going to miss out on something that he has, a miracle. Because he, here's the thing, we're going to see what happens next. He didn't make it. I mean, he lived, but he didn't. He didn't. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Now, we can say, you know, well, you should have kept your eyes on Jesus, totally. But if you think about it, there, there, between the boat and Jesus, there had to have been a time when Peter was just like, no, this is ridiculous. Like, this is too scary. And so he, he cries out. But before we get on Peter, there's 11 other dudes just sitting in a boat, missing out on something that Jesus might have them do. He says, Lord, save me. Here's the, here's the third immediately. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Now again, you can take this as a, a rebuke, I guess. You know, Jesus is angry. Why did you doubt? But I think, I think this is a really great question that Jesus would ask us all. Let me, if you'd give me the liberty to just change this question around. Instead of you have little faith, why did you doubt? What about this question? Who, who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And he asked this question to them, uh, and Peter got the answer right. You are the, uh, the Messiah, the Son of the Most High God, and you're the Christ. But like who, it's almost like Jesus is saying, didn't you think I was going to take care of you? Did you, think, did you think that I only had the power for you to take seven steps? Like that, did, is that what you thought? Like that I could, I could only get you halfway? No, man, I got the power to bring you all the way to me. I got you would be something Jesus might say. I got you. He reaches out his hand. He could have let him swim around a little bit, you know, kind of teach him a lesson, you know. He doesn't. He grabs him. Now, what's fascinating to me is the next verse doesn't give you any insight into how this went down, but okay, so Peter is in the water. So I, I don't know how far from the boat. We'll just say that the edge of the stage is the boat, and here's Jesus, and Peter makes it halfway, and Jesus reaches down and gets him, and then the very next verse is they, they're climbing into the boat, so I don't know if Jesus just like kind of drug him through the water to get to the boat or picked him up or whatever. But I know this. Jesus had his hand on him the whole time. Jesus had him the whole time, even in the midst of his quote-unquote failure. Because that's what Jesus does. When they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Man, what a... What a night. <laughs> they had been struggling against this storm from night till dawn. Again and again, wave after wave after wave after wave. And what changes everything was when Jesus showed up. At a time they couldn't predict in a way they never, ever would have expected. 
And because of that storm, Peter was able to experience God in a way that he never could have otherwise. In the midst of our storm with our son, I experienced God in a way I never could have otherwise. And that doesn't mean that he does that just to put us through things. He just uses life. He uses the things. He doesn't waste any of our pain. And he guides us through. And he calls us to risk. He calls us, he bids us come. And then when we get halfway and we can't do it, he says, wait, who did you think, who do you think you were talking to? It's me, I got you. I'll rescue you. Let's get back in the boat. Then those who were in the boat worship him, saying, truly you're the son of God. Yeah, I think that's probably adequate <laughs> to say. It's like, let's see. Well, he walked on water, and then he had Peter walk on water, and then he saved Peter's life, and the storm like, mysteriously calmed down right when he got in the boat. Yeah, I think he's worthy of our worship. There's an author, uh, Max Lucado, and uh, I think he was a pastor before he uh, wrote these books, but he's, he's written some children's books and some other, other books, and uh, he has a book called In the Eye of the Storm where he references this particular story, and he um, writes down what, P if Peter journaled, I don't know if anyone here journals, but what he would have written in his journal the next day. <laughs> and so Max, just through his creative mind, just writes like, if, 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 if Peter journaled, this is what Peter would write. I had never seen Jesus as I saw him then. I had seen him as powerful, I had seen him as wise. I had witnessed his authority and marveled at his abilities. But what I witnessed last night, I know I'll never forget. I saw God. And I think for those of us here who are going through a storm, it's an opportunity, really, to see God in a way that maybe you wouldn't have thought of. You can see him come through in a way maybe you didn't expect at a time you didn't predict. And you might have a relationship with him that's deeper because of the storm that you're going through. He goes on. The God who can't sit still when the storm is too strong. The God who lets me get frightened enough to need him and then comes close enough for me to see him. The God who uses my storms as his path to come to me. I saw God. It took a storm for me to see him, but I saw him, and I'll never be the same.